Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Watching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in? He's down to the five. Are you kidding me? Off the guy's face mask. That play was one of several. During a third quarter implosion by the Detroit Lions that made them by far and away the most charitable team on Championship Sunday. It was their gift to Kyle Shanahan, to John Lynch, to Adam Peters, our guy, to Brock Purdy, to Chase Young. How completely invisible was he for much of the day? The Lions handed the 49ers the NFC Championship. Too bad for them. Uh, The other game, not an exaggeration to say this, a disastrous day for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson in particular deserves much of the blame, but this was an overall group effort by Baltimore. Outsmarted, outplayed, outed, period, for not being the team I thought they were all season long, and many others did as well, at least not yesterday against the Chiefs. Good morning. What a championship Sunday. So many things to talk about coming out of those two games yesterday and a Super Bowl matchup that we will see for the second time uh, in the Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, 49ers, Chiefs matchup in Vegas in two weeks. The 49ers slight one and a half point favorites in the Super Bowl game. Uh, The Detroit loss likely means that their very good offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, will likely be hired by our team this week, perhaps as early as tomorrow. Here's the head coach interview schedule schedule for this week, Uh, at least according to our guy Ben Standig, our insider. Here's the schedule. Today is Ravens assistant coach day. After their disappointing loss, we get Baltimore defensive line and associate head coach Anthony Weaver in to interview in person, along with Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, both set to be interviewed in person today. Then tomorrow, it's Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn in person interview, Detroit defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, and Lions OC Ben Johnson, both of those to take place in Detroit. If the reporting in the last few weeks has been accurate, then expect Johnson to be named head coach as early as late tomorrow, as late as Wednesday or Thursday. If it happens like it's been reported, 
uh, Washington will have snagged the number one GM offseason candidate during this hiring cycle and the number one sought-after offensive head coach during this hiring cycle as well. If they land Johnson, which it certainly appears as if they will, they are getting a guy that for two years has molded the Lions offense into one of the best in the league. You saw that yesterday for two and a half quarters and has made Jared Goff a much better quarterback than he's ever been. Um, Ben, not Johnson, but Standig on with us at noon. He's the only guest on the show today. The rest of the show will be focused primarily on the two championship games. Before we get to each of these games, and I'll start with the last one first, the Detroit-San Francisco game. Uh, This Friday night in Bethesda, I want you all to join me and everybody from the station and our sister station, 106.7 The Fan, for a night at the Bethesda Theater on Wisconsin Avenue in Bethesda. We'll all be together on stage. It'll be a night of debate, laughs, behind-the-scenes stories, a chance to meet all of us, and more importantly, a chance for us to meet and thank you. It's all off-air, on stage, and uncensored, featuring yours truly, Chris Russell, Craig Hoffman, everybody from our station, and then the guys from 106.7 The Fan, the Junkies, uh, B. Mitch and JP, and then Grant and Danny, and a special guest will be with us, John Allen, Skins defensive tackle. John Allen will be there with us on Friday night as well. Tickets are available at Bethesda Theater. Com. So go to BethesdaTheater.com. Would love to see a lot of you that listen to this show, um, this show or my podcast out there. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to hang out after whatever's planned is done, um, and we can uh, we can have a beer or two together. Uh, it's presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. All right, Denton is here um, with me. Uh, I'm going to start with the NFC title game, the game that was second on the docket yesterday. Um, It followed a pretty compelling game between the Chiefs and the Ravens for a lot of reasons, and we will go into all of those when we get to that game. But 49ers 34, Lions 31. A Lions collapse that seemed so far-fetched as the game approached the middle of the third quarter, they were up 24 to 10 and driving the ball into 49ers territory once again. There was only one way that Detroit was going to lose that game, and that was to implode. And it couldn't be a small implosion, it couldn't be just one killer mistake. It needed to be five or six, and that's what happened. Detroit gifted the 49ers the NFC Championship game. You know, for many years, and many of us have referenced the legendary sports talk host in this city during the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Ken Beatrice. And he would say about NFL games, more games are lost than won. And he was right then, and he's still right today. In the NFL, the team that makes the most mistakes usually loses the game. In this case, though, it was just so many in such a short period of time. And it swung a game that was being dominated 
by Detroit into position for the 49ers to win it. So let me go through what happened during a five-minute stretch in the third quarter that really didn't appear to be something that was possible in the moment. Because through two and a half quarters of that NFC Championship game, the Lions were dominant. I was shocked at just how easy it was for them. 24 points on five drives. That's points on four of their five offensive drives up until midway through the third quarter against a very good San Francisco team on the road. Now, the Niners did not play well defensively last week against the Packers. It may have been a harbinger of things to come, but they were, during the regular season, the fourth-best defense in the league, and the Lions absolutely dismantled them for two-and-a-half quarters. They had 163 yards rushing midway through the third quarter against the third-best rush defense in the league. They were averaging seven yards per carry. Every handoff was a chunk play. As a team, through two-and-a-half quarters, they had 340 yards of offense. They were 5 of 7 on third down. It was total domination up front by their incredible offensive line. And man, do they have some elite offensive talent. Ben Johnson had Steve Wilkes in the Niners' defense completely rattled and off balance. They had no idea what was coming next. It was easy. And then on defense, the Niners through two and a half quarters had less than 200 yards, had 10 points. They had thrown a pick nearly two more. Brock Purdy, to say it mildly through two and a half quarters, was killing the Niners with throws that were high, late. His last throw before the Detroit meltdown started was eight feet over Juwan Jennings' head. He was wide open on third down. He nearly got Jennings decapitated before the field goal that made it 24-10 midway through the third quarter. I mean, he was horrendous for two and a half quarters. I looked at something that I never, ever look at. I've, I've said this before. I never pay attention to these win probability things. But for the purposes of just seeing what it was, for you know grins and giggles i looked at the espn win probability tracker cuz it's there available on the game center um you know site uh, uh part of the site with 7 minutes to go in the third quarter on the move in san francisco territory up 24 to 10 the lions chances of winning that game 91.5% um that's how and that was a that was an accurate reflection of how in control of that game Detroit was. And then the gifting started. You know, they can take deductions on these charitable donations. With 7.03 left in the third quarter, up 24-10, on another long drive, eight or nine plays at that point, they decided to go for a fourth and two. Now, I'll get to the Dan Campbell fourth down decisions. Um, I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, I'm going to focus on the results. By the way, the third down play that set up the fourth and two, there were so many plays during this game that I loved from Ben Johnson. He really did have them completely bewildered throughout. And even some of the plays that they ran that didn't work should have worked. 
But the third and four play, they lined up a Monroe St. Brown in the backfield against six DBs, and he was so close to breaking it. I think he missed the cut, and Fred Warner made a nice play two yards short of the markers as well. But then you get to the fourth and two. Again, I'll focus on the Campbell decisions on fourth down coming up in a few minutes. For now, I'm just going to focus on the results because this was the beginning of a five-minute meltdown like you read about. Like it just didn't seem like it was possible. And the 49ers needed all of it. So on the fourth and two, Josh Reynolds is open. The ball's catchable. He doesn't catch it. That's number one. Huge play in the game, but just one mistake. The 49ers needed a lot more just to get back into the game. Two plays later, the play that we came in with. I mean, Brock Purdy throws an ill-advised bomb to Brandon Ayuk. Great player, by the way. Um, the ball is you know, coming down into the hands of Detroit defensive back Kendall Vildor for an interception. The ball hits his face mask. But worse than that, Ayuk takes the face mask deflection, pulls it in, and is down at the Detroit four-yard line. 61-yard play. I mean, there was some bad luck during this meltdown, but still, it was more about self-destruction. Catch the ball. Purdy put it right in your hands, Vildor. The Niners score after that. It's 24-17, and it's a ball game now. Uh, And then you get in order as the self-immolation continues. A Jameer Gibbs fumble when he actually goes to the wrong side of where the handoff was supposed to happen. Self-destruction. He gets hit, fumbles, San Francisco scores, it's 24-24. Then they're on the move again, third and nine. Reynolds wide open, wide open. Ball right in his hands. He's still running if he catches it. Drops it. Reynolds now has two back-breaking drops. The fourth and two wasn't what I would call a flat-out drop like the third and nine, but it was certainly a ball you got to catch. And then the punt was a beauty, and the ball's bouncing down to the two-yard line, and number 27's in position to down it at the two or maybe the one, and instead he decides to carry the ball into the end zone. In five minutes, a two-touchdown lead about to become more than that as the third quarter was winding down. Instead, a drop fourth down pass, a chance for an interception on a poorly thrown ball that bounces off a face mask and gets caught by Ayuk, a Gibbs fumble when he goes the wrong way on a handoff, Another drop pass on third and nine that would have been a 30-yard gain minimum. And then a punt that they carry into the end zone that would have forced the 49ers to start from their own one or two-yard line. Five minutes of self-slaughter that gave the 49ers life and cost the Lions a trip to the Super Bowl, period. That's the game right there. Those five minutes. Not Dan Campbell's fourth down decisions. More, again, I'll get to those. Those five minutes were a level of self-destruction that cost the the Detroit Lions their first ever trip to the Super Bowl. The meltdown, by the way, by Detroit still needed the 49ers to make them pay for it. And they did, to their credit. Brock Purdy, who couldn't hit the ocean from a boat 
in the first two and a half quarters. Made some big plays. Got lucky on that first one. You know, after that fourth and two, that bombed Ayuk should have been intercepted. Worst case, should have been incomplete. So you got lucky on the biggest gaining play of the comeback. But man, he made several big-time key plays that allowed the 49ers to take advantage of the opportunity the Lions gave them. The third and goal touchdown pass to Ayuk that made it 24-17 to was big time. I mean, that was through a small opening. I mean, you had two defenders, and he threaded the needle for the first time all day. The scrambles and the off-schedule plays he made down the straight stretch were outstanding and so important. The second and 11, where he ran for 21 yards after the Gibbs fumble that led to the game-tying touchdown run by McCaffrey, huge. How about the escape when he was sacked, basically, somehow extricates himself from the sack and then is able to throw to Juszczyk, the fullback, on the sideline? Great play. The, 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 the scramble that was, I think, also 20 or 21 yards on the drive that made it 34-24. to 24. Brock Purdy started the game for in the first half. He was 7 of 15 for less than 100 yards with no yards rushing, and the inaccuracy had to have them worried. I mean, balls were missing high. They were missing left. They were missing right. And he ended up the game over the final quarter and a half, putting up 315 combined passing and rushing yards and one big play after another. That was the extremes of Brock Purdy in that game. Detroit gave them the opportunity, but credit to him and McCaffrey and Samuel, who just will not get tackled by one person. Kittle, Warner, Gibson, Kinlaw, Bosa, all made plays once the Lions became charitable and said, here, we don't want to win this game by a blowout. Let's make it interesting for everybody. Credit to the Niners um, for taking advantage of what was one of the true meltdowns that we've seen. We'll always talk about teams losing a game more than a team winning a game, but yesterday that was the game. That five-minute stretch for the Lions, they fell apart completely, and it cost them the game. They're going to be kicking themselves for years to come if they don't get back to the same spot, and there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees when you don't have an elite quarterback. And for them, who knows? There may not be any guarantee specifically because their offensive mind in Ben Johnson isn't going to be there anymore. They were the superior team in every way until they started to give it away. Now, on Campbell's fourth down decisions, um, I'm going to get to those when we come back. We'll get to the Baltimore-KC game when we come back uh, because that one will have everybody talking until you can't talk about it anymore, about Lamar Jackson not getting it done in the postseason. Kevin Sheehan Show and the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two fourth down decisions that were critical in the second half. Neither one was converted. Um, you know, particularly the second one. Why why not take a, a field goal there and maybe stem the bleeding a little bit? Yeah, I just felt really good about us converting and uh getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. That was Dan Campbell after the game. I actually love the way he handled that. Um, he didn't, you know, act like the smartest guy in the room and hit you with all the analytics stuff. Because to be honest with you, I don't even think that's how he makes his decisions. Uh, he took the blame. He said he understood the criticism that would come his way. Um, the focus, by the way, is on all of the fourth downs, post-game, in-game, this morning. I think the worst in-game decision made by the Lions was a third down decision. Uh, ben Standy coming up at noon. We're going to go through the itinerary for the Washington coach searches today and tomorrow. Uh, that's coming up uh, shortly. Um on the show at noon. Not that shortly, actually. What am I talking about? Uh, your chance to weigh in uh, coming up on the show as well. Um, all right. So I'm going to go through the Campbell fourth down decisions in a minute or two. But the worst decision he and the Lions made came at the end of the game on third down and goal at the 49ers one yard line with a minute five to go trailing 34 to 24. And the Lions in that moment holding all three of their timeouts. 
It's coming off an incompletion, uh, incompleted pass, um, and they've got their three timeouts, and there's a minute five to go in the game. You cannot run the football on that third down. Cannot run the football. Of all of the decisions that are being scrutinized, a lot of the fourth downs, to me, that's the easiest call there is. Even if you think the chances of scoring a touchdown are greater running it in with Montgomery in that spot versus throwing it, you can't take the risk of a stop and needing to call a timeout because the timeout pretty much ends the game at that point. You've got to know that if you're forced to call a timeout, the game is basically over. Do you know why it's over? Because the chances of recovering an onside's kick are near zero. Two for 41 this year. When they put the rule changes in a few years ago for safety reasons, it made recovering an onside's kick nearly impossible. You had to keep alive the possibility of kicking deep uh, and using three timeouts to get the ball back on offense after a score, whether it be seven points or three points. That was the worst decision they made. Now, you can say, well, they didn't have to take a timeout. They could have gone hurry up. Yeah, but the problem is is that you're going to lose valuable time, 20, 25 seconds after Montgomery gets stopped for, by the way, a a one-yard loss back to the three-yard line. And you got to get every, you know, you have to have two plays called in that instance, you know, if you're going to do that, but you're going to lose, you know, by the time that the pile unpiles and you get the ball marked and you get set up. And by the way, do you have the personnel on the field you want? You can't run the ball there. That's the worst in-game decision, in my opinion, that Detroit made. You've got to throw it there. I understand that they were successful running the ball all day long, but the risk of a stop and look, they hadn't been stopped throwing the ball either all day long. They had just as good of a chance, I think. Now, maybe they felt whatever San Francisco was doing defensively. In the normal course of a game, sure, run it there. You can't put yourself into position where you're going to be forced to call a timeout. If you do that, the game is over. In essence, over. Two for 41 this year. Recovered onside's kicks. That's like 4.4%. That's the worst decision, again, from my standpoint, they made. Um, And then I got to tell you, I understand that analytics would say on that fourth and goal from the three, you go for it. I'm kicking the field goal. You're down by 10. You've just been stopped on a a one-yard loss. After a couple of incompletions, or one incompletion, I mean, you've got, analytically, I understand that the chance, the percent chance of making it is pretty high, and you may not get that good of a chance to score a touchdown, but you have to extend the game. I ignore the analytics in that spot. I need 10 points. I know that that means a touchdown and a field goal, and the field goal is a 19-yarder or a 20-yarder. 
and I've got, you know, if I threw the incompletion on third down, I got three timeouts left down 34-27. So let's go through the fourth down decisions. Again, though, you can't run the football there. Can't. I would hope that that is a Campbell decision. And I Campbell is has been so good for the Detroit Lions. He is obviously a hell of a football coach. There's so much that goes in to coaching. And he has coached aggressively since he got there. This is him. They go for more fourth downs than anybody in the league. They err on the side of being overly aggressive. Now, sometimes the emotion in being aggressive has gotten the better of them, like trying the the two-point conversion from the seven-yard line against the Cowboys. That was just plain stupid. There was nothing analytically or otherwise that said that that was a smart decision. They got bailed out by a penalty, um, and then they had one more chance from the two-yard line. I don't even think Campbell's one of these guys that has somebody – uh, right now, it's a .03% if we go. I, I don't think he's a fourth down analytics or a two-point analytics guy. I just think he's aggressive. He is emotional, and he goes based on feel. Look, if this was all about analytics and not context or feel or emotion, then he would have gone for the fourth down at the end of the first half. So... The fourth down decisions by Campbell. Let's go through them chronologically. Again, and you're going to probably be surprised at some of my answers. Some of you will be. To me, the third down decision, and then really the decision to then go for it on fourth down, was insane. I I would not have – I would have thrown the ball on third down, and then I would have taken the field goal um, to extend the game for sure on fourth down. They scored. They scored um, on fourth and three. And look, they've been excellent on fourth and goal and fourth and threes all year long. So maybe they thought that was their best chance in that moment with that context on the road against that team that had all the momentum. I would have kicked the field goal. But let's go through the fourth downs. First of all, there's a fourth and five that nobody's talked about in the first half. They're up 14 to seven. Again, they have not been stopped. It's one chunk play after another. Montgomery for 14 yards. Uh, short pass to Monroe St. Brown, who's uncoverable for 11 on a third and 10. Um, they, they, they get to a fourth and six at the 49 or 40, fourth and five and a half, really, at the 49 or 45 yard line, 10 and a half to go. Analytically, that was kind of a coin toss thing, but this dude's been aggressive all year long. I was surprised he didn't go for that one. Would have been totally fine had he gone for that one. But at that point, it's 14-7. to um, The 49ers have moved the ball in their first two drives. They missed a field goal, and then they scored a touchdown on their second drive. Now, they went dormant the rest of the half. But, I, I, I you know, this idea that um, he made the right decision there punting uh, no, no. It, it, you think he made the wrong. If you if you think he made the wrong decision, right decision by going for the fourth downs in the fourth quarter and the third quarter, then why didn't he go for that one? Because that was a slight one way or the other kind of a coin flip call analytically. And then the end of the half. Um, look, there are a couple of things about that particular fourth and goal at the San Francisco three. 
one of the things that he thought about there that he didn't think about up 24 to 10 is making it a three-score game. I was totally in the moment in context because context matters because the analytics said go for the fourth and goal from the three. Go for the touchdown. Uh, the analytics were a, a strong or at least a slight to strong, depending on which site you follow, go for it situation. He, he kicked the field goal. For me, you kick the field goal to make it a three-score game. You don't want to give the 49ers any kind of you know jolt. You've been dominating them start to finish of this football game in the first half. Plus, if you miss, and this is huge, you don't get the benefit from the miss. See, the fourth and goal situations, call it fourth and four or less, the analytics you know, to go for it, it includes the benefit, if you miss, of having that team backed up inside their own five-yard line and the difficulty it typically is to move it out from that spot and you're going to get great field position if you can force a punt. They didn't have that uh, added benefit um, if they missed going for it because there were only 10 seconds, 8 seconds, or whatever it was left in the half. So I didn't mind that decision. But again, if this is all about analytics and it's not with this guy because he would have gone for that right there. Um, it's about feel. It's about context. It's about emotion. It's about, for for the most part, he typically reacts aggressively. But he didn't on the two fourth downs in the first half. Fourth and five and a half in San Francisco t- territory in the first half, they had not been stopped. All right. Keep in mind that was four plays, 75 yards, touchdown, 11 plays, 62 yards, touchdown. And here they are again in the midst of like a 30-yard drive, six or seven plays, and they decide not to go for fourth and five and a half at the San Francisco 45-yard line. They punt it. End of the half. I wouldn't have had a problem had he gone for that, and I would not have had a problem at the end of the half had he gone for it, even though my preference in both cases was to punt and to take the field goal. The field goal specifically because extends it to 24-7, three-score game, doesn't give the 49ers any kind of good feeling going into the half like we got to stop if you missed it, Um, and there's no benefit to missing it, meaning field position. Now you get to the second half, and obviously these are the two that have been scrutinized the most. The fourth and two at the San Francisco 28-yard line, up 24-10 in total control of the football game. At that point, as I mentioned in the first segment, the win probability for the Lions was 91.5%. 91.5% for whatever that ESPN win probability tracker is worth. But if you're watching the game and you're a football fan, Detroit was in total control of the football game. And he went for it. I honestly would have kicked the field goal. Now, Badgley has been an issue for them. For those that don't know, from 45 and in, he's been a 62% kicker. He has not kicked an outdoor kick this season. There were concerns to a certain degree about Badgley, but it's 45 yards. It's a clear, no wind, beautiful day. And you go up three, you go up three scores again at 27 to 10. It was very slightly leaned going for it analytically for um for Campbell in that spot. I would have kicked the field goal, but I didn't have a problem for him going for it either because they were unstoppable at that point. 
And by the way, Reynolds is open. He's got to catch the ball. If he catches it, they're probably to make it 31 to 10. Worst case, burn another couple of minutes, kick a field goal 27 to 10. I didn't have a massive problem with that in that moment. Now, fourth and five, if he's going for it there, yeah. Fourth and two, I mean, they were already chunking them to death all game. They had yet, they had been stopped on one drive, and it was the fourth down decision where he decided to punt. Um, then we get to 24-24. And this is the one where, again, analytically, fourth and three at the San Francisco 30 with Badgley as the kicker, and his, you know, one out of three, uh, two out of three, one out of three misses from 45 and longer. By the way, all of you who kept telling me on Twitter, these are 50 yard plus kicks. Let me just explain the way it works. You take the line of scrimmage, you add seven yards, and then you add 10 to that. And that's the length of the field goal. The ball was at the San Francisco 30. That's going to be a 47 yard field goal, not a 52 yarder, not a 50 yarder. Um, anyway. Uh, at 24-24, with blood spilling all over the field at that point with what had happened, you know, with the first fourth down drop, with the Ayuk, you know, deflection off the face mask, with the Gibbs fumble, with the carrying the punt at the one-yard line into the end zone, um, it was like, to me, they had weathered the storm on the San Francisco previous drive by sacking Purdy on back-to-back plays, and they had forced a field goal there. And they had driven the ball. They had a big play, a throw to um, uh, Jamison Williams. They had a big Montgomery chunk run again. And you were faced with fourth and three. They threw to Monra St. Brown underneath, and it was some good tackling by the 49ers. Ward, Ryan, I forget who else was in on it. I, th- I would have kicked the field goal there to tie the game. I would have. But it's not like it was an egregious error to go for it, in my opinion. Because on fourth and three, this team this year was 20 of 25 coming into the game. That's what they were all year long. 20 of 25 they had been on fourth and three or shorter. I would have kicked a field goal, though. There was a slight lean analytically to go, go for it but I would have kicked the field goal to tie the game. If you miss it, it's a backbreaker, just like if you miss the fourth and three. But I would have taken the, you know, for him, this 68.9% chance you're going you're gonna to convert the, the field goal um, versus a 49er defense and a 49er team that had a lot going for it at that point in time in context. I don't even know what kind of plays they had. Remember, a big part of this is, do you have all the fourth down plays or all the third and three, fourth and three plays? Do you, do you have a lot of options left? Um, and then finally, I would have never gone for the fourth down that they scored the touchdown on to make it 34 to 31. And not because I had the 49ers laying the seven. Of course, I was hoping they would kick the field goal so I'd get the push at 34 to 27. But I would have never taken the opportunity, especially after a two-yard loss, after a pressure on Goff where he threw you know, uh, out of the end zone. I didn't feel in that moment that it felt like they were going to get it. And I would have taken the three and then taken my chances on an onside kick. But again, the big mistake, the big mistake of all of the Campbell decisions for me is the third down decision to run the football. 
because once you put yourself at risk of needing to use one of those three remaining timeouts, you were going to lose the game because the 49ers had, you know, would take the ball back with 55 seconds to go, 40 second play clocks, two timeouts. You can, you know, they ran plays. They could have done the take the Purdy, snap it to him, have him, you know, take a few steps, kneel down three, you know, three times and then punt it, but they felt comfortable handing the ball off to Mitchell that he would protect it and burn a little bit more time than those plays. And you got it down to where it was game over. Once you use that timeout, the game was, for all intents and purposes, barring an absolute miracle of a recovery of an onside kick, it was over. So, there you go. Um, To me, they didn't lose the game, the Lions, because of Campbell's fourth down decisions. They lost the game during that five-minute stretch where they completely imploded dropped multiple balls, fumbled a football, had a dropped interception, bounce off a face mask, had a ball that should have been downed at the one-yard line on a phenomenal punt, and instead the dude just carries it into the end zone like he didn't know what the rule was. Um, That's really what ultimately cost the Lions that game. The five minutes from the midway of the third quarter till the the end of the third quarter where it went from 24-10, 24-24, and it wasn't because they, you know, the 49ers all of a sudden stepped up defensively. It was a good knockout of the ball of Gibbs, but he ran the, the play incorrectly. You guys realize that, I think. Olsen, by the way, please give me Olsen over Romo. Oh, my God, Tony Romo. We'll get to that either today or tomorrow. He's just – he's horrendous. And Olsen is outstanding. He doesn't – lend sort of that I think the the gravitas maybe for for the number one crew but he is really good at explaining things in the moment for anybody to understand all right uh let's get to Baltimore Kansas City next right let's do that uh we're done with Detroit we'll open it up for calls next hour but I want to get through this Ravens disaster yesterday at M&T Bank when we come back. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, the Team980.com. We are also free and live on the Odyssey app. Championship this this weekend in the NFL. Ravens lose to the Chiefs 17-10. to The Chiefs now headed to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. In the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Detroit Lions 34-31. to They're headed back to the Super Bowl for the first time since the 2019 season. The Niners open up as a slight favorite, a point-and-a-half favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what's trending. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Has now reached the Chiefs 25, second and 10. To the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Deion Bush. 
who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. The Ravens beaten at M&T Bank 17-10. to 10. Um, I got the under right in that one. One and two on the Samel test yesterday. Had the Niners and the under in that one. The under never looked good. Uh, and the Niners actually were covering there at the very end. Um, man, uh, dead wrong on the Ravens. I really love the Ravens. Now, I told you on Friday the action was a slight lean to them, which is why I did not like them as a wager. Um, but I really thought that they were a great team this year. And I thought it would show up. And I didn't think the Chiefs were a great team this year. And I thought that would show up. Um, dead wrong on all counts. And a very, very rough day for the Lamar Jackson um, is going to get over the hump crowd uh, because he was not good in this football game. But he was not the only one. Uh, this was a combination of a lot of things in this game. This was a total group effort on the Ravens' part. Uh, The lack of discipline, the penalties um, all day, uh, the Zay Flowers back-to-back of just, uh, you know, the catch and the taunting and then the fumble at the goal line. Um, And look, the Kansas City defense start to finish. Spags was phenomenal in his game plan, uh, the way that they stymied Baltimore offensively. But Baltimore did it to themselves, too. I mean, Todd Munkin, look, for all of you Greg Roman people, and I was one of them for years in Baltimore, thinking that Greg Roman really had the right kind of offense for Lamar Jackson, and Munkin's done a great job with Jackson this year and a great job with the offense. Running backs in this game carried six times. The best rushing team in the NFL had 16 carries. The game was never worse than 17-7. to It wasn't like they were down so many scores and they had to throw. Remember when they got crushed by Tennessee in the first round as a one seed in Lamar's first MVP season, and they threw the ball, look it up, Denton, I think it was 59 times. This is a running football team. So some of it's on Munkin, some of it's on Harbaugh for the lack of discipline that his team showed throughout the game. A lot of it's on Lamar, who really didn't see it yesterday and didn't make enough plays and made two crucial errors and a couple others that were really close to crucial errors. And then on the flip side of it is Kansas City's defense was a story right from the jump and has been a story all season long. Outstanding all day long. Great tackling, coverage, confused Lamar at times. And then, if you want to call him this, it's probably too early from a winning standpoint, but from an actual eye test standpoint, it's not crazy to say Mahomes just had the most significant win of his career and might be the greatest we've ever watched. The irony of it was, is I don't think that they won the game because of Patrick Mahomes I think they won the game because of Baltimore's inefficiency on offense, really giving Kansas City's defense a ton of credit, their lack of discipline, and then inexplicably deciding against the Chiefs when you've been, at the very least, a balanced team all year run, all all year long, to drop Lamar Jackson back 41 times. 
in the game and only give your running backs six carries. That one's a head-scratcher for me. On the Mahomes thing, look, 30-39, 241, one touchdown, and no mistakes. No mistakes. More, more, more importantly than anything else, this dude just doesn't ever beat himself in these games. But ultimately, Kansas City did all of their damage, and it's all they needed to do on the first two drives of the game. 10 plays, 86 yards, touchdown. 16 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And that was it. Basically, the, they got the penalty aided down the field on the field goal drive at the end of the half. They went three and out, punt, punt, three and out, punt, punt, three and out, punt in the second half with no points. That Baltimore defense was, after the first two drives of the game, the Baltimore defense. Kyle Hamilton, if he wasn't, if Mahomes was the best player on the field and Travis Kelsey was the second best player on the field, Kyle Hamilton yesterday was the third best player on the field. My God, was he great. So was Queen, so was Smith, so was Stevens, so was Matabuke, so was Van Noy, with the exception of penalties. I mean, they completely shut Kansas City down after the first two drives for all intents and purposes and gave Baltimore offensively every chance to get back into that game. Every chance. The Mahomes plays, though, on the first two drives. I mean, seriously. Um, here, I let me look at my, my notes here for a second. Um, uh, the fourth and two that they went for on the first drive of the game to Kelsey. The touchdown pass, the back shoulder against Hamilton in coverage against Kelsey. What a throw. What a catch. Um, the third and five where he extended for about 19 minutes and found Kelsey with that fluttering back throw that was led perfectly on a conversion. Then on third and three, the scramble for four. Um, it was one big play after another in the first half, but after that, that was it. The Baltimore defense completely shut down the run. I mean, one of the things we talked about going into this game, and I said, I just don't see Pacheco being able to do to Baltimore what he's done to other teams. He averaged 2.8 yards per carry. They completely shut him down. Completely shut him down. Ball, uh, the Chiefs averaged 2.8 yards rushing. In the, the Chiefs had 221 yards at halftime and were 5 of 9 on third down, most of it coming in these those first two drives. They had less than 100 yards of offense the rest of the way in zero points. Well, with the three at the end of the half. The penalties, killers. I didn't think any of them were bad calls. The Van Noy 15-yard penalty headbutt of Kelsey, stupid. 98 whacking uh, Mahomes uh, on what was borderline a clothesline play, stupid. Um, the taunting by Zay Flowers, outrageously stupid. Um, it was one lack of discipline play after another all day. Uncharacteristic. And then I want to go to Lamar Jackson. I made a note 
Very first play of the day for Baltimore after the opening kickoff. They came up to the line of scrimmage. Now, you would have to say, right, almost every NFL team scripts the first, you know, whatever it is, plays. And in the huddle, after the kick out of the end zone to open up the game, they're first and 10 from their own 25. You see he looks a little bit confused. He's looking at the wristband. He gets up to the line of scrimmage. There are players lined up in the incorrect spots. He backs away. This is the first play of the game, and I made a note. It uh, it looked like maybe he had called the play inaccurately in the huddle or called part of it inaccurately and maybe confused himself or confused other players. Look at the very first snap of that game if you've got the if you've got the, the, the game recorded or if you've got the, you know, the All-22 or, or the NFL.com package. It ends up being a handoff to Justice Hill for a yard. That's the first play of the game. They go three and out on that drive. But I just made the note, I'm like, man, the, what happened here on this first play? They look completely disorganized at the line of scrimmage. The first play of the game. Um. Look, he had a sack fumble. He had a terrible interception. He had another ball that could have been easily intercepted. Um, it was a day in which Todd Munkin did not help him out. He put too much of the game on Lamar, and that's not the way that the Ravens have done it at times. Now, they put a lot of the game on him as a runner and passer, but they didn't include other players that had had big-time games. I know that maybe their most explosive runner in Keaton Mitchell wasn't there, you know, since, you know, week 10 or whatever it was. Obviously, they lost J.K. Dobbins. But Gus Edwards and using um, Justice Hill, you know, in the game last week, as an example, they had 42 rushes and 22 throws. I understand they had a lead in the second half, but it was 10-10 at halftime after that punt return. They rushed for 229 yards. Jackson rushed for 100. Hill rushed for 66, averaged 5.1 on 13 carries. Gus Edwards averaged 4 on 10 carries for 40 yards. Those two backs got 23 carries. For whatever reason, Munkin decided, I'm putting this whole thing on Lamar Jackson. And I don't know if they got you know, spooked early on by the success of the Chiefs offensively on the first two drives of the game where they gave up 14 points. You're already into the second quarter, and Lamar made a couple of plays, you know, in that first half. I mean, the incredible touchdown pass to Flowers, which was a bit off schedule. I mean, the play in which the ball gets deflected and he catches it and runs for, for you know, 12, 13 yards, whatever it was. He made some plays, but too often he's backing up rather than stepping up. He didn't have good feel in the pocket. He sailed balls, easy throws, one to Justice Hill. The checkdowns were really the best completions until he hit the big one to Flowers in the second half. And look, you know, that was a good play at the goal line. It wasn't a reach out trying to get the pylon, losing the ball. It was a good play. He, I know he had the first down, but it was a really good defensive play in that moment. But the penalty hurt them, took more time, and more penalties the rest of the day. Uh, the problem, of course, is, is that the quarterback gets all of the blame and all of the credit, typically. 
And Lamar Jackson was 20 of 37 for 272 with a touchdown and interception, took four sacks. He rushed for 54 yards, but also um, uh, had a fumble, uh, a sack fumble where he didn't feel it in the pocket. Uh, He didn't do enough. Munkin put it on him, which I think was part of the issue, and I give him some of the blame, but Lamar Jackson didn't do enough. It wasn't all his fault. Lack of discipline. Munkin's play calling. Kansas City's defense was outstanding. And the Baltimore defense gave up two early touchdowns. After that, it was lights out. But they gave up some plays early to one of the best to ever do it. And Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes, even though the game isn't played that way, it was a TKO for Mahomes. All right. Give you a chance to weigh in. 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980. Detroit, San Francisco, all of the decisions made by Campbell. Anything about that game. Same thing with the Chiefs and the Ravens. Why did the Ravens play their worst game of the season and their biggest game of the season? How much of it was them? How much of it was the Chiefs? Uh, phone lines are open. Uh, 301-230-0980. We'll take your calls next. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's better After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.